Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, beloved family. How are you doing? I'm so happy to be with you live. Um, I'm always happy for that. And you know, I was thinking of uh, another subject other than the Holy Father's motu proprio, but there's just so much, um, not so much confusion as hurt and sorrow and sense of betrayal by the faithful uh, sense of being attacked, uh, so much wrong with it. And there's so many, not just Catholics, uh, whether lay or priestly or clerics, um, but uh, I've seen, uh, I have an email from a, a Jewish man that to him this is just absolutely awful and a betrayal. Um, uh, Protestants, uh, there was an article yesterday from an atheist who somehow expressed if who doesn't believe in Christianity, but if there's any truth to it, it would it's the only religion that would make sense to him. But this seems, on the part of so many people worldwide, a, a true uh, negation and betrayal of the faith. So, um, I've been waiting for a statement by um, His Grace Cardinal Raymond Burke, and. Um, and I, I just found that it came out yesterday, a statement on the motu proprio, uh, traditionis custodis, and I'd like to read that to us, um, because uh, so many people have so many questions, and I think most know that Cardinal Burke was the prefect of the apostolic signatura under Pope Benedict as the highest uh, law office, canon law office of the church, so... Uh, Cardinal Burke was the highest canon lawyer of the church. He's now prefect emeritus, but he's still the most outstanding canon lawyer, and we need an official voice on this. So I'm I'm so grateful for this uh, to Cardinal Burke. Let me read it to us this morning. It begins, Many faithful, <clears throat> laity ordained and consecrated, have expressed to me, that's Cardinal Burke speaking, um, the profound distress which the motu proprio traditionis custodis has brought them. Those who are attached to the uses antiquator, that is the more ancient uses, what Pope Benedict XVI called the extraordinary form of the Roman rite, are deeply disheartened by the severity of the discipline which the motu proprio imposes and offended by the language it employs to describe them, their attitudes and their conduct. As a member of the faithful who also has an intense bond with it, what now through this document, um, Cardinal Burke has um, abbreviated the usus antiquator, referring to the extraordinary form of the Roman rite, to UA. So I say UA, we're talking about the traditional Latin mass, the, the extraordinary form. And so uh, Cardinal Burke says, as a member of the faithful who also has an intense bond with the UA, 
I fully share in their sentiments of profound sorrow. As a bishop of the church and as a cardinal, in communion with the Roman pontiff and with a particular responsibility to assist him in his pastoral care and governance of the universal church, I offer the following observations. One, it is a preliminary, in a preliminary way, it must be asked why the Latin or official text of the Motu Proprio has not yet been published. As far as I know, Cardinal Burke says, the Holy See promulgated the text in Italian and English versions and afterwards in German and Spanish uh, translations. Since the English version is called a translation, it must be assumed that the original text is in Latin. If such be the case, there are translations of significant texts in the English version which are not coherent with the Italian version. In Article 1, the important Italian adjective unica is translated into English as unique instead of only. In Article 4, the important Italian verb divono is translated into English as should instead of must. Secondly, first of all, it is important to establish in this and the following two observations, that'll be his numbers three and four, the essence of what the motu proprio contains. It is apparent from the severity of the document that Pope Francis issued the motu proprio to address what he perceives to be a grave evil threatening the unity of the church, namely the UA, that's the traditional Latin Mass, Jesus Antiquador. According to the Holy Father, those who worship according to this usage make a choice which, redre- which rejects, and he's quoting here the Holy Father, quote, the church and her institutions in the name of what is called the true church, end quote, a choice which, quote, contradicts communion and nurtures the divisive tendency against which the Apostle Paul so vigorously reacted, end quote. Point three. Clearly, Pope Francis considers the evil so great that he took immediate action, not informing bishops in advance and not even providing for the usual vacatio legis, a period of time between the promulgation of a law and its taking force. The vocatio legis provides, a, forgive me if, my, if I mispronounce the Latin, the vocatio, um, vocatio legis provides the faithful and especially the bishops time to study the new legislation regarding the worship of God. The most important aspect of their life in the church with a view to its implementation. The legislation, in fact, contains many elements that require study regarding its application. Point four from Cardinal Berg. What is more, the legislation places restrictions on the UA, the Usus Antiquator, which signal its ultimate elimination. For example, the prohibition of the use of a parish church for worship according to the UA, extraordinary form, and the establishment of certain days for such worship. 
In his letter to the bishops of the world, Pope Francis indicates two principles which are to guide the bishops in the implementation of the motu proprio. The first principle is to, quote, provide for the good of those who are rooted in the previous form of celebration and need to return in due time to the Roman rite promulgated by Saints Paul VI and John Paul II, end quote. The second principle is, quote, to discontinue the erection of new personal parishes tied more to the desire and wishes of individual priests than to the real need of the holy people of God, end quote. Point five. Seemingly, the legislation is directed to the correction of an aberration principally attributable to the, quote, the desire and wishes, end quote, of certain priests. In that regard, I must observe, especially in the light of my service as a diocesan bishop, it was not the priests who, because of their desires, urged the faithful to request the extraordinary form. In fact, I shall be deeply grateful to the many priests who, notwithstanding their already heavy commitments, generously served the faithful who legitimately requested the UA, the Latin Mass. The two principles cannot help but communicate to devout faithful who have a deep appreciation and attachment to the encounter with Christ through the extraordinary form of the Roman Rite that they suffer from an aberration which can be tolerated for a time but must ultimately be eradicated. Point six. From whence comes the severe and revolutionary action of the Holy Father? The motu proprio and the letter indicate two sources. First, quote, the wishes expressed by the episcopate, end quote, through, quote, a detailed consultation of the bishops, end quote, conducted by the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith in 2020, and second, quote, the opinion of the Congregation of the Doctrine of the Faith, end quote. Regarding the responses to the quote, every time I quote something, um, Cardinal Burke is lifting it straight from uh, the Holy Father's writing. Regarding the responses to the, quote, detailed consultation or questionnaire, end quote, sent to the bishops, Pope Francis writes to the bishops, quote, the responses reveal a situation that preoccupies and saddens me and persuades me of the need to intervene. There's the music for our first break, beloved. I will continue this. We'll be come back from the second break. Um, I feel like I'm living in the middle of the twilight zone. Um, this is such a... Um, an obvious attack on the church and on the Latin Mass and on the faithful. Um, we'll come back and read Cardinal Burke's um, statement uh, right after the break. And after the second break, as always, we'll take your calls, your text, and your emails. The toll-free number to call is one 877 511-5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com We'll be right back.
Hello, beloved. This is Mother Miriam, host of Mother Miriam Live. Like the Catholic Current and the many other programs that originate from the Station of the Cross, Divine Mercy in My Soul is all about the messages that Jesus revealed to St. Faustina. It is aired every Sunday morning at 11 Eastern and Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. Or you can listen anytime to Divine Mercy in My Soul on the iCatholic Radio mobile app. The Station of the Cross appreciates the generosity of our supporters. We are committed to keeping our donors' accounts up to date. If there have been changes made to your payment information, please call us so that we can update your account. 1-877-888-6279, extension 104. Or update your information online at thestationofthecross.com. Thank you for your generous support of Catholic Radio. Love learning more about the church, but confused or disheartened by the struggles we are facing today? Follow LifeSite News Catholic on Facebook, Twitter, or sign up for LifeSite Catholic emails. And stay up to date on the constant stream of news about the Catholic Church. Our church is at a time of crisis, and we as laity have a responsibility and a duty to educate ourselves and stay true to the faith. LifeSite News Catholic is dedicated to keeping the laity informed and educated. To follow us, go to Facebook or Twitter and search LifeSite News Catholic. As Mother Miriam always says, we must live as if it were true. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back to Mother Miriam Live, dear ones. Um, we are going through um, a response of His Grace um, Cardinal Burke, uh, Cardinal Raymond Leo Burke, to the Holy Father's Motu Proprio Traditionis Custodis. We are on point seven that um, Cardinal Burke has made, and he says, regarding the sources, that is, to the motu proprio and the statements of the Holy Father, it is to be supposed that the situation which preoccupies and saddens the Roman pontiff exists generally in the church or only... um, Oh, no, it's a question. Regarding the sources, is it to be supposed that the situation which preoccupies and saddens the Roman pontiff exists generally in the church or only in certain places? Given the importance attributed to the detailed consultation, quote-unquote, or, quote, questionnaire, unquote, and the gravity of the matter it was treating, it would seem essential that the results of the consultation be made public, along with the indication of its scientific character. In the same way, if the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith was of the opinion that such a revolutionary measure must be taken, it would seemingly have prepared 
an instruction or similar document to address it. Point eight, the congregation enjoys the expertise and long expertise. Um, I'm sorry, the congregation enjoys the expertise and long experience of certain officials. First, serving in the Pontifical Commission Ecclesia Dei, and then in the fourth section of the congregation who have been charged to treat questions regarding the UA, that is the Usus Antiquator. One must ask whether the opinion of the congregation for the doctrine of the faith reflected the consultation of those with the greatest knowledge of the faithful devoted to the extraordinary form of the, of the Roman rite. Point nine, regarding the perceived grave evil constituted by the usus antiquator, I have a wide experience, Cardinal Burke writes, over many years and in many different places with the faithful who regularly worship, worship God according to the UA. In all honesty, I must say that these faithful in no way reject, quote, the church and her institutions in the name of what is called the true church, end quote. Neither have I found them out of communion with the church or divisive within the church. On the contrary, they love the Roman pontiff, their bishops and priests, and when others have made the choice of schism, they have wanted always to remain in full communion with the church, faithful to the Roman pontiff, often at the cost of great suffering. They in no way ascribe to a schismatic or Senevacantist ideology. Point 10. The letter accompanying the motu proprio states that the usus antiquator, that is the extraordinary form of the Roman rite, was permitted by Pope St. John Paul II and later regulated by Pope Benedict XVI, with, quote, the desire to foster the healing of the schism with the movement of Monsignor Lefebvre, end quote. The movement, Cardinal Burke says, the movement in question is the Society of St. Pius X. While both Roman pontiffs desired the healing of the schism in question, as should all good Catholics, they also desired to maintain in continuance the UA, for those who remained the full in the full communion of the church and did not become schismatic. Pope St. John Paul II showed pastoral charity in various important ways to faithful Catholics attached to the Usus Antiquator. For example, granting the indult for the UA, but also establishing the priestly fraternity of St. Peter a society of apostolic life for priests attached to the Usus Antiquator. In the book, quote, Last Testament, in his own words, end quote, Pope Benedict XVI responded to the affirmation, quote, the reauthorization of the Tridentine Mass is often interpreted primarily as a concession to the Society of St. Pius X, end quote, with he. Pope Benedict responded to that charge with these clear and strong words, quote, This is just absolutely false. It was important for me that the church is one with herself inwardly, with her own past, and what was previously holy to her is not somehow wrong now, end quote. 
In fact, Cardinal Burr continues, many who presently desire to worship according to the UA, Usus Antiquitus, have no experience and perhaps no knowledge of the history and present situation of the priestly society of St. Pius X. They are simply attracted to the holiness of the extraordinary form. Point 11. Yes, there are individuals and even certain groups which espouse radical positions, even as in the case of other sectors of church life, but they are in no way characteristic of the greater and ever-increasing number of faithful who desire to worship God according to the UA. The sacred liturgy is not a matter of so-called church politics, but the fullest and most perfect encounter with Christ for us in this world. The faithful in question, among whom are numerous young adults and young married couples with children, encounter Christ through the usus antiquator, who draws them ever closer to himself through the reform of their lives and cooperation with the divine grace, which flows from his glorious, pierced heart into their hearts. They have no need to make a judgment regarding those who worship God according to the usus um, recentior, which is uh, the more recent usage, what Pope Benedict called the ordinary form of the Roman rite. You are first promulgated by Pope St. Paul VI as one priest, member of an institute of the consecrated life which serves these faithful remarked to me, I regularly confess to a priest according to the U-R, that is, again, um, the recent usage of the Holy Mass and participate on special occasions in the Holy Mass according to the U-R. He concluded, why would anyone accuse me of not accepting its validity? Twelve. If there are situations of an attitude or practice contrary to the sound doctrine and discipline of the church, justice demands that they be addressed individually by the pastors of the church, the Roman pontiff, and the bishops in communion with him. Justice is the minimum and irreplaceable condition of charity. Pastoral charity cannot be served if the requirements of justice are not observed. Point 13. A schismatic spirit or actual schism are always gravely evil, but there is nothing about the usus antiquator which fosters schism. For those of us who knew the UA in the past, like myself, it is a question of an act of worship marked by centuries-old goodness, truth, and beauty. I knew its attraction from my childhood and indeed became very attached to it, having been privileged to assist the priest as a mass servant from the time when I was 10 years old, I can testify that the UA, traditional mass, was a major inspiration of my priestly vocation. For those who have come to the UA for the first time, to the extraordinary form of the Roman rite for the first time, its rich beauty, especially as it manifests the action of Christ renewing sacramentally his sacrifice on Calvary through the priest who acts in his person, 
has drawn them closer to Christ. I know many faithful for whom the experience of divine worship according to the UA, the Jesus Antiquador, has strongly inspired their conversion to the faith or their seeking full communion with the Catholic Church. Also, numerous priests who have returned to the celebration of the UA or who have learned it for the first time have told me how deeply it has enriched their priestly spirituality. This is not to mention the saints all along the Christian centuries for whom the UA nourished an heroic practice of the virtues. Some have given their lives to defend the offering of this very form of divine worship. Beloved, um, we have a bit to go. We're on point 14. And let me just look. Um, The cardinal goes down to point 19 and then uh, has a summary. um, And he concludes by saying, I urge the faithful to pray fervently for Pope Francis, the bishops and priests at the same time in accord with Canon 212, note 3, according to the knowledge and competence and prestige which they possess, they have the right and even at times the duty to manifest to the sacred pastors their opinion on matters which pertain to the good of the church and to make their opinions known to the rest of the Christian faithful without prejudice to the integrity of faith and morals, which, with reverence toward their pastors and attentive to common advantage and the dignity of persons. Finally, in gratitude to our Lord for the sacred liturgy, the greatest gift of himself to us um, in the church, may they continue to safeguard and cultivate the ancient and ever new, more ancient usage or extraordinary form of the Roman rite. I'm sorry, I'm getting a little sleepy reading through this. I probably put you to sleep. Um, you can go ahead and read it at cardinalburke.com. That's all you need to type in, cardinalburke.com. It's the first article. And again, it was just posted yesterday. Uh, And I've been waiting for Cardinal Burke's response because it's always outstanding in line with all the uh, canon law magisterium of the church. And, um, uh, And I knew it would be trustworthy for us. So you can continue reading that yourself, dear ones. I won't continue that on Monday. But it's so good to have true shepherds of the church. Um, Cardinal um, Vigano and uh, Bishop Snyder have also written wonderful pieces, but both of them two days before the motu proprio came out, and yet they both tell us how to live in this age. So I will say the only way to live is, one, to live our faith and make sure our... um, I, I lost my train of thought, so I better I better sign off for the break. And we'll be back right after the break to take your calls, your emails, and your texts. one 511 5483 or
LifeSite News is an international news agency devoted to defending life and family and restoring Christian culture. We aim to educate and activate our readers with the information they need to fight the most crucial battles of our day in their churches, workplaces, and families. Our motto is Caritas in Veritate, Love in Truth. We firmly believe that promoting the truth is an act of love, however hard it is to hear. Over the last 20 years, we have built a reputation for uncompromising reporting, no matter the cost. LifeSite News is by far the most popular pro-life website on the internet, with over 40 million unique users every year and growing. Check us out at LifeSiteNews.com. Nathan Wigfield, Executive Director of the St. Thomas More House of Prayer, a Catholic retreat center in Cranberry, Pennsylvania, with the mission of praying and promoting the Liturgy of the Hours. Our goal is to help people experience the Liturgy of the Hours and discover the prayer that will change their life. The Catholic Church teaches us that the Liturgy of the Hours is the prayer that Christ Himself, together with His body, addresses to the Father and that its purpose is to sanctify each day in the whole range of human activity. That means every time we pray this prayer, our relationship with Christ is deepened, we are united to the faithful of every time and place, and our entire day and work are made holy unto the Lord. To learn more about the prayer of the Church, please visit liturgyofthehours.org or call our retreat center at 814-676-676. One nine one zero. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. Um, And we have a half hour all to ourselves. Uh, So call in with anything at all on your heart. Toll free 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We have a text from someone who writes it anonymously and says, Mother, can you please explain to people how and why you're disagreeing with the motu proprio does not equate to bashing or attacking the Pope. I'm not bashing or attacking the Pope, but I am um, uh, criticizing what he has put out under his name, yes. Um, it's, It's not unsimilar to the time when he was setting up Pachamama in the Vatican uh, for idol worship. Um, I even had a bishop call at that time saying that um, uh, I know you didn't say the Pope is demonic, but you say what he's doing is demonic. And I said, yes, and it is. Um, So the Pope can be wrong. The Pope can make errors. And there are bishops and cardinals and priests. Uh, Look up what Cardinal Burke has written, what Gerard Cardinal Mueller has written, who was the uh, Prefect Emeritus of the Congregation of the Doctrine of Faith, 
um, and it'll explain to you the inconsistencies, the contradictions, the errors, the um, how poor this document is, and the fact that it's cruel, uh, does not have the voice of a shepherd's heart, and has caused tremendous damage. And so, and no one really knows what to do with it. Um, and yet it was made effective immediately. And Cardinal Burke has pointed out um, the many consistencies with um, how such a document no- normally would be promulgated. And so I'm not attacking or bashing the Pope. Um, I cannot judge his heart. God alone knows that. But what he does, we can. What he does, it was Catherine of Siena who went to uh, the Pope and uh, uh, told him how wrong he was for uh, being in Constantinople rather than going back to Rome. Many things popes have done in the past need to be corrected. And so, um, I, in expressing my heart on this, um, I came out initially saying it's an act of violence on the church, on the sheep, and um, it is it is not of God. It's not of God. I, I know that. Um, do I say the Pope is not of God? I have no uh, faculty to say that. I do not know that. But I know that this is not of God. Um, for all that Cardinal Burke has said, for all that um, Cardinal Mueller and others have said, uh, no one has said it's not of God. I personally take responsibility for that. Um, it was done in a very drastic way and um, really no consideration for the church or the sheep. Uh, it's, it's only to destroy. So um, uh, we, when things are evil, when they're wrong, we must be able to say so. And we leave the motives and the heart of the Pope in the hands of God. That we cannot judge. We have a text, a text from someone who writes it anonymously and says, Mother, can you please speak about the Georgia guide, uh, Guidestones in Elberton, Georgia? You know, before your question, I never even heard about them, but um, I looked them up on the Internet, um, those tall granite slabs in Georgia that, that with lots of commandments that seem to be for a new population on Earth in the future. I don't quite know. I started, if you look it up, uh, Georgia Guidestones in Elberton, Georgia, you will see a few videos on it. Uh, Look it up on YouTube if you wish. And you'll see a video by Jimmy Aiken, um, uh, whose Mysterious World has covered this subject, I think, in a two-part video series. And Jimmy goes into tremendous depth on the detail of this and the gentleman who who purchased them and ordered them to be to be built so um go go ahead to uh, uh georgia guide guide stones on youtube and you'll see uh, jimmy aiken's uh, mysterious world jimmy aiken in my mind is the greatest apologist ever and i worked with him nine years at catholic answers and he's still with catholic answers i hope he'll be there forever um, so that will give you far more information. When I, I got maybe three quarters of the way through the first video and I said, oh, I don't have time to listen to the end of this or the second part, but um, I know that you can look it up. We have an email from Beth. Beth writes, if a Catholic is only able to attend a non-Catholic parish on Sunday, does that still fulfill Sunday obligation? 
Um, the answer is no, unless it is uh, Eastern Orthodox, um, the other lung of the church, so to speak, because we, if we cannot get to a Catholic parish, uh, their sacrament of the Holy Eucharist is valid, so we can go there, but only in an exceptional situation. Uh, Beth writes, I'm assuming that in this scenario, the Catholic has a choice between either A, attending another parish, or B, not attending Mass at all. How would you approach that situation? Well, um, you can never fulfill a Sunday obligation by attending a non-Catholic parish, and again, unless it's the Orthodox. You cannot, um, because that's, there's no Mass apart from the Catholic Church. So you are not at a Mass, which is your Sunday obligation. Um, you're not obligated to receive the Eucharist, but you're obligated to be at Mass. And again, if it's, if it's not a Catholic Church, you're not in communion with the Church. It is not, does not fulfill your Sunday obligation. Um, it, yes, if um, you should never attend a non-Catholic parish, no matter what. It won't count for anything uh, in God's sight, and it's, it's something I don't recommend. Um, and if they serve communion, you absolutely may not partake of that. Um, if the Catholic has a choice to attend another parish, get in their car two hours away, blessed be God. Uh, or not attending Mass at all, um, if you can attend another parish, that's the way to do it. If you cannot, um, uh, then you miss Sunday Mass. Um, and you need to go to confession soon after that. Go on Monday if you can and tell the priest of your Catholic parish that you were not able to go to Mass um, the day before, the weekend before, because of whatever circumstances it was. The better thing to do is if you know you cannot get to a Catholic parish for some reason on a Sunday, you go beforehand and tell Father that, and ask if he could, you could come on a Monday instead, if he can give you that dispensation for this one time. We have a text from Peter who writes, Hello, Mother Miriam. To keep things short, I'm a husband and father of four, but work long hours to support my family so my wife can stay home and take care of the children. Unfortunately, sometimes I work on Sundays, and am therefore unable to attend Mass with my family and fulfill my obligation. Does this make me a sinner? I feel torn because I know that I must work to pay the bills, and my employment also allows my wife to homeschool the children, which I know is the best choice in terms of educating them. But there are times when I feel irrelevant because I cannot attend Mass. I just want to be the best Catholic husband and father that I can be. Please advise if you get the chance. Thank you for your guidance, Peter. Peter, um, we are required to, to go to Mass on Sunday, whether we work or not. If we work on Sunday, then we have the option, in most cases, of going Saturday night. If you're at a traditional parish and there's no Saturday night Mass, then go to a Novus Ordo Saturday night Mass. Or speak to your bishop, your, your pastor, and maybe he can uh, come and you can receive the Eucharist at a different time of the day. But uh, I don't know, you don't say what kind of job you have or why you are forced to work on Sunday. 
the ideal thing would be to tell your boss that um, you'll work any hours during the week, but you must not work on Sunday. That would be the ideal. Or at least be off for those two hours so you can go to uh, Mass with your family. That's the ideal. If you can do that, it would be perfect. If you cannot do that, um, it's very important that you keep your Sunday obligation. Very, very important. And I would speak directly to the priest and see how you could work that out with him. Okay. Um, and and uh, Peter says, sometimes I work on Sundays and am therefore unable to attend Mass with my family and fulfill my obligation. Well, to begin with, you should be attending Mass with your family. Um, the children need to see you and, and have you with them. But again, in some churches, there's masses later on in the day. If it's Novus Ordo, and again, if you don't go to Novus Ordo, Novus Ordo you can uh, for Sundays if, if you need to, if that's the only way um, that you can. Let me just see this. And you said, does this make me a sinner? Well, the fact is we are sinners, and we go to Mass for forgiveness and to receive the food of life that helps us to grow in holiness. Um, but you, you cannot miss Sunday Mass. So talk to your priest and see how you can work that out. Um, we have an email from Maria who writes, Dear Mother Miriam, I pray you and your most loved ones are well. Thank you, Maria. I'm writing about a dilemma I have been suffering, and I just wanted your heavenly advice and direction. I've received communion on the tongue all my life. But in this time of pandemic, I was forced to receive on the hand. My parish only receives, hold on now, my parish only receives on the hand now. It's killing me. Well, shame on your priest, shame on your, whoever has given those directives. Uh, The church has never um, negated the fact that um, communion on the tongue is the norm. The hand is allowed, but the tongue is, a nor- is the norm, and no bishop or priest has any right to forbid communion on the tongue. I know they do forbid it. They're, they're in sin, but uh, they have no right to do that. And Maria writes, it is completely out of control. My pastor has even had his dog on the altar. What? For the whole Mass even during consecration and holy hour on the altar. I want so badly to start going to the Latin Mass. I even have my Father Lassan's Missal. That's so beautiful. I have that one too, Maria. And my veil in a keepsake box that I treasure. I watch the FSSP Latin Mass training videos. I, um, I watch the, uh, the Latin Mass on the Internet to follow along. And to learn from um, from the mass, I want to crawl inside my computer to taste it in its fullness. I just love the sacredness of it. She says, my problem is that my wonderful husband, whom I love and is truly a good man of God, does not even want to consider leaving our parish and start traveling. One hour to go to the Latin mass. Although I explained to him the disrespect, and he sees it also, he believes in our pastor and in our Pope, and he does not believe 
that the church would allow this behavior if God hadn't okayed it, especially now. With this Latin Mass restriction from the Pope, also my husband had been sick with leukemia and went through a very difficult, life-threatening time in our parish community, who was, uh, was so good to us. He's with the Knights of Columbus there, and these, were just, these men were just wonderful to us. The community was so present to us, and every Mass for two months was said for my husband. The community is in remission now, and he attributes this miracle to the prayers of our parish community. Oh, there's our great beloved. The email continues for a couple of paragraphs. I'm going to glance at it during the break and see if it's something we should read through completely. Uh, We'll be uh, back with our last segment, beloved, and our lines are wide open. You're free to call in. Prayer of Deliverance. Almighty God and Father, we beg thee through the intercession and help of the archangels, St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel, for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary, we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord, amen. We stand at a crossroads in history. We can stand up for life, family, and a Christian culture, or we can stand idly by while the fabric of society becomes fundamentally anti-life, anti-family, and anti-Christian, slowly leading to its own demise. LifeSite News is the leading defender of life, family, and Christian culture. Through our news reporting, we seek to educate readers with information and zeal. They need to fight the most crucial battles of our day. And we need your help to continue that mission. You can support LifeSite News by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Another way to support LifeSite is to prayerfully consider becoming a Sustained Life monthly donor to help us continue to save lives in the culture. To donate, visit give.lifesitenews.com forward slash sustain life. Our staff of over 40 and millions of future generations, thank you for helping to save the culture. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. This is our final segment. We've got... 10 minutes or more, and still, you're welcome to call in with anything on your heart, toll-free, 1-877-511-5483, or email at motheratthestationofthecross.com. Um, we have a, a kind of a heartbreaking email here from, um, from Maria, 
um, I'm going to read it from the beginning and go through it quickly. Uh, I wish Pope Francis were listening to this because um, this is simply not the mass of Paul VI or John Paul II. This is how the degradation of the mass has degraded even further. Um, she writes, Dear Mother Miriam, I pray you and your most loved ones are well. I'm writing about a dilemma I have been suffering, and I just wanted your heavenly advice and direction. I have received communion on the tongue all my life, but in this time of pandemic, I was forced to receive on the hand. My parish only receives on the hand. Now it's killing me. I'm dying, even going to these irreverent novus ordo masses. It is completely out of control. My pastor has even had his dog on the altar for the whole Mass, even during consecration in the Holy Hour. I want so badly to start going to the Latin Mass. I even have my Father Lassan's missal and my veil on a keepsake box that I treasure. I watch the FSSP Latin Mass training videos. I watch the Latin Mass on the Internet and follow along and learn the Mass. I want to crawl inside my computer to taste it in its fullness. I just love the sacredness of it. My problem is that my wonderful husband, who I, whom I love and is truly a good man of God, does not even want to consider leaving our parish and start traveling. Um, and... Um, one hour, and start traveling one hour to go to the traditional Latin Mass. Although I explain to him the disrespect, and he sees it also, he believes in our pastor and in our Pope, and he does not believe that the Church would allow this behavior if God had not okayed it. Especially now, with this Latin Mass restriction from the Pope, he... Um, also, my husband had been sick with leukemia and went through a very difficult, life-threatening time, and our parish community was so good to us. He is with the Knights of Columbus there, and these guys were just wonderful to us. The community was so present to us, and everyone, every Mass, um, for two months was said for my husband. The community is, the great, is great with prayers and community for us. Just unbelievable. My husband is in remission now, and he attributes this miracle to the prayers of the people of the church. Okay. Hold on now. She says, but as much as I love our parish community as people, they are the wind chime, dream catcher, liberal community that just makes me feel so uncomfortable. The lay people, and now listen to this, beloved. Oh, my goodness. The lay people in our parish are allowed to just go to the tabernacle and take our, out our Lord on their own. Even during Mass, a woman serves as Father's server, and after consecration of the host, the woman, not Father, walks over to the tabernacle and takes out the consecrated host, Saborium, and puts it on the altar as Father continues with Mass. They bring the kids from the school to the altar, circling Father as he consecrates the host, all fidgeting and chewing gum with no reverence at all, just for show. All the parents are taking, in, um, are taking pictures as the consecration is happening, the catechists being ignorant, uh, 
um, themselves just stand around and watch. The kids obviously have never um, have never been taught. Let me see now. Hold on. All the parents are taking pictures as commentators themselves. I'm I'm sorry. I kind of my eyes are closing. I'm so sorry. Um, the catechist being I read that one. Um, they they just don't. He she said those they're lovely people. They just don't know what they're doing. Anyway, my question is, what can I do? I cannot be disobedient to my husband. I have to stay to stay in that parish for him and my vocation of marriage. Does God forgive me for participating in this disrespect of our Lord? My relationship with our Lord in my personal life is very much alive because this is all that is on my mind. I am on my knees. Um, I'm on my knees constantly praying for forgiveness. I know I'm a sinner. I don't know how he can forgive me, but can I rest assured that God knows my heart even as I am participating in this crazy liberal parish? God bless you, Maria. Maria, dear one, um, it would be a rare, rare occasion that I would ever urge a wife to disobey her husband or... um, to break up the family when it is to go to Mass. But with what you've described, I would urge you to do that. I would urge you to say to your husband, Honey, I cannot sit through this anymore, and I can't bear that this is the way the children are being raised. Um, He's the only priest, the priest of this parish, perhaps already the priest in our lives. We need to get in there. Um, How awful. I'm so sorry. Um, I would ask him, now a man is to lay down his life for his wife as Christ laid his down for the church. I would say to your husband, sweetheart, um, I would give my life for you, but Christ gave his for us and the abomination we are exposed to and that we're exposing our children to is too awful. It's just too awful. I can't bear it. I can't bear the children to be uh, raised under this, and I cannot continue in this parish. It's an hour to the Latin Mass. I'd love to do that, but maybe you could find a more reverent Novus Ordo closer to you. That's another option. Um, There's a Latin parish an hour away, but maybe within the hour there are uh, maybe Novus, maybe... um, Again, other Novus Auto churches that are more reverent, that would be a first step. Um, but I would do something about it. I would not continue with that Mass, with any lay people going and taking our Lord out of the tabernacle and feeding themselves. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. That is desecration. Um, the priest is giving up his vocation and his own responsibilities. Uh, it can't be that. So, um, I think, beloved, we're. I better not take another email because I don't want to fall asleep on you. I'm already falling asleep. Um, um, let me just start with the next one. We'll have our closing music soon. It's an email from Betsy. Good morning, Mother. Where's the best place to live in the USA? I'm from California, but due to my husband passing away, oh, I'm sorry, Betsy. I have to bring my kids, 15 and 17, to Asia 
to reside for a while because I have no income in the USA. If I come back as a widow, I'm willing to start all over again and live in a loving, God-fearing community. God was so good when I found you on the Internet. Thank you very much, Betsy. Betsy, look up Beloit, um, Kansas, B-E-L-O-I-T. It's where I am. It's where our community has just moved. It's it's beautiful. It's Catholic. Uh, I don't know if there's any crime here at all. We've been here seven months, and I haven't seen anything. Um, uh, I would seriously consider coming to Kansas. Uh, God bless you, Ke- uh, Betsy, and we will we will pray for you and your whole situation right now with those children and your need to return to Asia. God bless you, and God bless all of you. Sorry, I'm so tired today. God bless you. We'll speak to you on Monday. Have a good weekend.